Welcome to the Long Come Marriage Podcast, a masterclass in meandering, muttering mischief. I'm Tom, and I'm joined as ever by Lorne. Hello. Punt. Evening. And our first ever guest from new subscription media empire, The Athletic, but a familiar face, a bearded one, it's Michael Bailey. Hello. Uh, we're a few sleeps away from Operation Keep the Score Down, as Manchester City visit Carrow Road on Saturday. We'll preview that game, talk about our international boys who have played a couple of times since our damp squib at the Olympic Stadium. We'll try and help you decide once and for all if we've had a good start or not, and the boys will fight it out over the ACN quiz. Before we get started with all that, we need to have a chat about ACN Live, which is coming up this Saturday. Uh, if you come along and join us at two-ish, then two, two, yeah, uh, then you will see Mr. Michael Bailey. You will see local band The Revere playing classic hits of the terraces that you can cheer and chant and holler along to. Um, we'll have Mr. Huckabee, uh, who will do us a teammates version of the best promotion 11 from the last four so kind of live acm pod on stage uh, and then also uh, michael bailey will be uh, getting really deep under the covers with hux uh, with a really deep uh, deep dive q a that only the athletic writers can come up with um so lorny tell us why everyone needs to make sure they get a ticket and a free beer in exchange for a five pound ticket on saturday well no the, the beer's still free because the ticket is five pound, whether you have the beer or not. So the beer is free. Is that in, um, is that in answer to people uh, wanting to qualify that on Twitter? Yes. Okay. Uh, I think the reason to come <laughs> is so that you never say deep dive again. Okay. Uh, I'm is... not making any kind of promise. If we get more than 250 guests on Saturday, I'll never say deep dive on the podcast again. Okay. That's ambitious. I think you should come because it'll be a laugh, and that is the only reason. Come and have some fun because the game might not be that fun. What is the, uh, tell us a little bit more about the inspiration for getting the ground jumping, what other teams we've seen that, we've, that have tried it and look fantastic? So the inspiration for me personally was Jamie Webster at Liverpool, who got LALALA going at club nights like this and has since come up with a couple more that just sound excellent in a small room with a low roof and 100 people singing along. And then that transmits uh, to the cop so I'd like to have a similar thing in the Barclay where we all get together we have a laugh we have a sing then we go out into the ground and carry that on because as everyone knows before the game the atmosphere is excellent so why don't we harness that and actually make it a thing where we all come together in one place and do it together that's an excellent overview punt would you like to add anything to our friends and nodcasters that we're hoping will come along on Saturday and join us in having a good old knees up before the game uh, well, Lorne's eloquently put everything I'd probably like to say, so just buy a ticket at com. Someone today, after talking to me for 40 minutes, congratulated me on being eloquent, which I took as a criticism. <laughs> like, having seen you, I'm surprised that you can talk. Yeah. Would you like to put that into context? I think we should, I think because... we should talk about this. We should, because we... we... Well, just whatever so quickly then, before we move on. Don't um, name names. Two plug things. So, with ACN Live, you have to buy a ticket online, and then you have to print off your confirmation email. We're not sending out tickets, and you can't just show it on your phone. You have to actually hand over a printed piece of paper that you get as a confirmation email to get your free beer. And I believe Michael Bailey wanted to say there's 40% off at The Athletic. <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily now. I was going to bide my time. <laughs> So I'll, How much I, won't is do, <laughs> I won't do it now. I'm going to wait until the oh, end. Oh, nice. Okay. Like a teaser. Um, so Thanks, the com- You're welcome. So let's, let's move on to the conversation that you had earlier today. Uh, Lorne was on uh, international press duty uh, as the spokesperson for ACN. Uh, we were at- uh, approached by um, a right-leaning paper, so therefore we put forward the most left-leaning person that we knew um, <laughs> to, to get him to be our spokesperson. 
uh, and uh, she was a bit offensive. Oh, she wasn't offensive. No, she was just. She, she was quite she offended hadn't been, on the WhatsApp chat. She hadn't been to Norwich before. Don't, don't make let's not um, let's not publish the WhatsApp messages like the, the Conservatives have had to. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's be honest now. Be honest. She hadn't been to Norwich before, and I found her questioning was slightly strange in terms of she seemed. Well, one of her questions was: Norwich people are quite defensive, aren't they? And it's very difficult to answer that without sounding defensive. So it was just, it was a quite a strange situation, but an enjoyable one. And the photographer took many, many photos of me where he faced me into the sun every time. So I'm squinting, like <laughs> sweating. It's just, it's not going to be good. They're both of your, your best photographic <laughs> features. Your, your squinty sweat is, is what first attracted me to you. Um, okay, we've got Michael here. It's about time that we got him to say something other than there's 40% off the athletic. I Andy said that. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> It's very good, actually. Uh, you'll be joining us for ACN live on Saturday, interviewing Hux and joining us for the fun. Um, let's look back, though, at what we've achieved so far as a football team. Um, we've played a few games, enough for us to not feel like there's anything, any kind of blip. Um, so clearly this is, this is the form we've got. It's quite tricky to describe, though, isn't it? The, the form? It's a mixed oh, bag. I, I still think it's too early because, let's be honest, last season, if we'd have taken any drawn any lines from the first five games or six games we've been all over the place so I think um, we can kind of we can get a, a feel for it can't we? we can get a feel for how Norwich are going to do it how they're going to they are vehemently going to stick to their principles so we know they're going to do that we've already seen that they are going to probably struggle to keep clean sheets certainly while they can't pick their first choice um, defensive lineup, which I would say is the one they finished with last season um, we've seen some players who look immediately comfortable, which is which is really good to see. Tim Cool has been outstanding, I think personally. Mm. Um, obviously, Tim Bucky took forty five minutes and and then bang away he goes. So there's some great signs there. Sound quite critical. It took him forty five minutes until he <laughs> yeah, <laughs> until not he at all. Because some some people yeah, thought he wouldn't do it over forty six or thirty eight games or whichever. So um, I think there are some players who haven't quite got to the level we were expecting them to straight off the bat and I think that will be interesting how they develop I mean even with someone like Max Ahrens I've I've looked at him and thought well I can see you're trying to figure this out because you're not quite you're not you're not quite there at a level whereas Jamal has just just flown Mm. it's it's been remarkable how well Jamal has has looked from from the off Um, so the key really from here is we can all look at it and go well this is all right because you know they'll learn or this is all right because they'll step up which is great but we're making assumptions there aren't we we we, we will need to see them do that they have learned in previous international breaks haven't they yeah. and the interesting thing um or the other interesting thing that the journalist mentioned to me today that upset both tom and john much more than it upset me was that uh they felt that knowledge this season are essentially blackpool from it's a few a, years ago, it's a ridiculously lazy comparison. But it was interesting because I'd never, I'd never even crossed my mind that we were the, the new Blackpool, mm. as she put it. But she mentioned it today, and I went on a Man City podcast last night, and they said exactly the same thing: "Are you the new Blackpool?" And I, it never, never even crossed my mind. But it really upset you two. But it was just, it doesn't. I can't work out the comparison because in terms of them having not been in the top flight for whatever it was, like 30, 40 years beforehand. Mm. Um, whereas we've been there several times recently, um, weren't they um, bankrolled to a certain degree um, to get a big jump that obviously we haven't been? Um, they play in garish your orange shirts, whereas ours are beautiful. Like, I don't really, I, I really don't get the the comparison at all. Well, they, they also didn't have a really, really well established style. 
But the easy comparison, I think, is that they just went hell for leather. They were, as the media puts it, naive. They tried to implement, you know, they tried to go at teams pretty aggressively. And actually, for the first, what, 10 games, they did relatively well with that. Blackpool well, were actually Christmas, up there. Think, yeah. They were about to survive the final day, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Um, and they led at Old Trafford on the final day where they would they would have stayed up with a win or a draw, I think. But their style of football was pretty agricultural. You know, it, it was fairly, well, it was archetypal in Holloway in terms of just get it forward and let's, let's see if we can do something with it. Whereas Norwich's is much more cultured and that's where I think it's just a lazy comparison. Oh, we wear a bright colour. Oh, we play attacking football. Oh, I've not and been there before. Yeah, not many people Bollocks. have heard of our players yeah. as well, I think, is the other element. Yeah. I mean, there's always a few teams where they, they get tarnished with that kind of brush of, of, the, of being naive and things like that. I, I remember them breaking down uh, Blackpool when, when they were playing in the Premier League that season and going on about how they, they obviously split their centre-backs, but they were basically out on the flanks and they said how ridiculous that was. So I think they took expansion probably to a slightly different level to what Norwich are. But, I mean, that does strike me as a comparison that comes from someone who probably hasn't taking a, a deeper look at what Norwich are doing um, Barn Sheffield United getting loads of praise for splitting their centre-backs and, and, and spreading out defensively overlapping centre-backs yeah, well, they, yeah, they only split two of the three they've got okay. more points as well haven't they so at this point in the season look at how high Sheffield United are look at where Norwich are and that's really it isn't that's it that's a game difference the other interesting thing I think if all this um, oh Norwich are being naive Norwich are being naive like, there's no guarantee that if you just suddenly shut up shop you get any points well look so at Huddersfield we find out, well look at Huddersfield and look how we did under Alex Neal when we started the season how we're playing now in terms of attack 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 1-3-0 lost 3-0 1-3-0 lost 3-0 then we lost 6-2 at Newcastle and Alex Neal went oh shit actually let's not be naive anymore and then we got relegated with a whimper. But I don't like, remember, I don't remember us being called naive that season. But, I, but I heard Lorne say that on the radio the other day. You were on the scrimmage and you were like, one 3 nil, lost 3 nil. And I can't recall a game in that season where we won 3 nil or lost 3 nil. I think the, the two games preceding the Newcastle game were either 3 nil or 3 1. Bournemouth was a 3 1 win. And then we lost at Southampton 3 nil when right. I think Teddy got sent off. Fair enough. Just, just picking up. You know. Oh, I, I Googled it. I'm not Tom. <laughs> <laughs> he's Googling it. Tom is now more. Googling. Uh, what, what season are we on? First time he's Googled anything. What season are we on? 15-16. But it's not like, my point was, that it's not like you can say, all right, well, we'll stop being naive and then we'll draw nil-nil every week or win one-nil. Yeah, we great. won. We haven't got the players to I do that. I don't, really, I don't see how they have been naive. I mean, if you break down when they've actually conceded goals, I mean, uh, Liverpool kind of steam, steamrolled them a bit, but that... That was much more of a tempo issue, I think. The fact that Norwich were trying to counter them and create a couple of good chances initially was a really promising sign. You can't then help it if the European champions just suddenly get their act together and pile through mm. you, which is what they did. I mean, some of the defending was shoddy, and I thought Grant Hanley was just really unfortunate because it was a really rusty waft of a leg, mm. which you know <laughs> I did throughout my football career, so yeah. I've got a lot of sympathy with him. But, I mean, it, it, you know, Newcastle, West Ham, there's no naivety in the West Ham game for how they went about it. So it's just... Um, uh, sometimes it's just the the, the level and, and the, the step up that those players are having to you know achieve in quite a short space of time. And I think the next four after Man City will tell us a lot more about where Norwich are this season in terms of are we going to be bottom three or are we going to be that sort of next tier up of fourth to... from bottom. Yeah. <laughs> well, you were right about the the, the up and down results on Alex Neil. So lost to Crystal Palace three one, beat Sunderland three one. Um, then a draw with Stoke, uh, then lost 3-0 to Southampton, beat Bournemouth 3-1, then a draw with Liverpool, um, beat West Brom 3-0. So you are right that it, it was swinging left and right. But again, as I was saying before, I don't remember under Alex Neil 
the pundits being anywhere near as sneery as, as they've been this time around. And I, I don't know whether or not that was because we were unfancy beforehand, but I, I have definitely picked up on a on a, on a, on a, a willingness to write us off, especially from the BBC. I think, think it's always the same. But I think it's always the same. I think they did write us off in, in that Alex Neil season. and It kind of quickly went south when we lost 6-2 to Newcastle. It was almost, well, they've returned to the mean. This is Norwich. You know, they're, they're going to go down now. Um, I think they're always really happy to write us off, but I'm really happy for them to write us off. Yeah, <laughs> who, who gives cares? a shit? Yeah, but I, d- I mean, I asked Delia and Michael this when I spoke to them, um, and I you spoke to them a year ago, mate. Oh, no, right. yeah, it was <laughs> we, we, did, we didn't have to quit our job. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't have to quit our job. You probably yeah, no, this is true. Yeah. <laughs> um, you probably asked the same question, but I mean, they, they sort of said, "Well, we don't think everyone has written us off." In fact, we think we they read. I can't remember if it's the Guardian, I think, season preview where more people had Norwich staying up than not. And I, I actually don't, I think in general it's been quite balanced in terms of how most people thought Norwich would deal with. And, and even since, I haven't really felt people are just going, oh, that's Norwich done with, unless you're talking about certain accounts on Twitter. But um, I, I think we, the, the interesting thing when Norwich came up under Alec Neal was that squad was still quite recognisable and any mm. players that were in it, people knew about, like Cameron Jerome. So... Um, there was a willingness probably in that regard to go oh we know who these are you know, they've, they've done it before haven't Steve they Steve Whitaker and that would have given a lot of people a lot of there's definitely confidence. a financial element as well in terms of I think more and more just literally spending money is seen as success like oh you've spent 20 million pounds well done you oh you've only got a free transfer haven't you failed yeah. like I think there is that element of coverage about Norwich this season and there's this sense that somehow Aston Villa won the transfer window by spending loads of money and I think the same was true last year with Fulham everyone said oh Fulham haven't they done absolutely amazing in the transfer window and then on the pitch that didn't equate to ever so well I think for for as many people as there are that have said that the Villa have done good business in the window there there's enough people saying they're doing a Fulham that's ridiculous and neither of those points are true I think you know the the truth is always somewhere in the middle though in terms of they recruited a lot of players that were already in their squad and they had to make permanence and they've added where they need to. If Villa have got the money, I don't think they've done terrible business. And, it, you know, I think they possibly could be OK this season. No, I agree with that. But what I, what I think there is, is a sort of lazy glance at how much money you've spent. And if you spent a lot of money, that's deemed to be good. I think there is that element. But I think there's also people who just, oh, that's this season's Fulham. You know, and, and that's going to be a waste of time and you can't rip it up. So... As always, there's polarising opinions in this country. And well, you go. talked about... Around this table. Yeah, you talked yeah. about free transfer um, being written off. Well, that brings us nicely onto the international break that we're thankfully just about to come out of. Uh, England currently struggling their way past Kosovo. I They're winning now. They're now winning, are they? Controversial opinion. I absolutely love the international break. Good. Um, so what we've got is uh, Team Ibuki, who is a um, <coughs> machine... Um, insane that he's now adding penalties to. Uh, I mean, because that was that was always the thing that I found maddest about this year's worth of goal scoring is that actually he didn't have any penalties to his name. Like that's usually the the thing that you know that's the, the way to to stuff your stats. Um, the other boys um, that that were on that were on international duty, obviously terrific to see um, our three youngsters in the uh, the under twenty ones. Um, has anyone heard anything today on uh, Max and his protect, protective boot? Um, I'm sure Paddy caught up with him last night, and it did. Paddy Davitt from your old parish, Michael, and oh, it didn't sound like it does. Was he still potentially that serious? <laughs> Do you charge him to we read your text now? <laughs> 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 yeah, two, two nine nine a month. 
Yeah, athletic.com. That was a bad um, seamless link. Well yeah, thanks. Yeah. Uh, well, me and Paddy aren't big text exchanges. Not now, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> we were anyway. Not since honest, you were kicked out of the uh, WhatsApp group. Oh, fine. Uh, no, going back to the to the max. Yeah, the, the AD Boothford said that he he turned his ankle rather than did anything knee wise, yeah. and apparently he said. But I just wondered if there'd been a further update today if he was spotted getting off a off a plane in slippers or um, was looking better. He'll still be in that boot, won't he, until he gets back to Coney, and then we'll I think see what he's happens. yeah. I think he's still under FA um, care at the moment until he gets back, and then he'll generally they generally assess it forty eight hours probably afterwards once the swelling's gone down. So I mean, certainly what Max said last night. Um, sounded promising. It was quite a nasty sort of the way he got his ankle caught in the turf or whichever was quite nasty. And he so. did it performing brilliantly, get, you know, getting man in the match and making a, a, a goal-saving tackle. Um, I I actually think that it could be a blessing um, because I, you know I am couldn't be more doom and gloom going into the weekend from a prediction point of view. Um, I was uh, right for the first three games. West Ham, I didn't think we would be as poor as we were. So I got that one wrong. But you know, this weekend can't see anything other than a four, five, six goal margin. And if we don't have one of our, you know, another first choice defender, um, at least it gives us uh, a, a couple of reasons to point to as to, oh well, we didn't have Maxi, and so you know, Byron was never going to be able to to cope, and um, that's why we lost nineteen nil rather than sorry nineteen one because Pookie will score. It's um, almost an extended international break, isn't it? Saturday, it's like a pre-season friendly that just doesn't bit, matter. Yeah. Like everyone's written it off. Yeah, like, but this is the thing. Amazing, like, it, it, we're back in the. We're, because of the West Ham um, game, um, I almost feel like uh, any sign of life will be well received. You know, if, if we can have, if we can stay in the game for 15, 20 minutes and play two, five, ten minute passages of football in either half, even when we're five nil down, because we were so lacklustre against a team we hoped we did have an opportunity against, albeit away from home. I feel like if anything we will now be more forgiving if we at least show some kind of fight and some kind of form against Man City while getting thwacked than we would have done had we beaten West Ham. I feel that that's really reset everyone's expectations, which had maybe got a bit too high in the first few weeks. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And I think it's one of those games, isn't it, where it really, not, nobody is expecting anything. So if we drew, it would be incredible. It would if be really lose. Norwich just to grab a draw. Yeah. I don't it's think it would be very Norwich. Norwich at all. It would. <laughs> which, Nor- Norwich. which Norwich team um, in the last 10, like we're going back like two Premier, two, three Premier League visits since we would like pull out like results like that. We've always been a team that performs yeah. better against the better teams and wins games that you think we're going to lose and that's where a long-come Norwich came from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, obviously, that, 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 I always think of a long-come Norwich as being a team that hasn't won for 14, plays Norwich and then they win. I, yeah, I, but the same is true the other way around. Like, yeah. man, I think Man United hadn't lost at Old Trafford for a while and then Teddy yeah. went and Toby won it. And it works both ways. We might, we might, Draw. Yeah, it's one of those things where in sport you feel like anything could happen, but that won't, Michael. I think when Norwich have got their good results against bigger teams, there's generally been a, a hiccup with them. Like, you know, they, they may be misfiring or whichever. Or it's last game of the season, like City at the Etihad. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't really see. I don't really see. I don't even know if Man City have it in them to, to misfire 
well, very often. I mean, you never know. It's, it's good. We're talking about a performance that ultimately is kind of reliant on Man City because it depends on their level. Obviously, if Norwich don't perform, then, then that decides it. But even if Norwich are at their very top level, best performance of the season, they could still get wiped out 4 Didn't De Bruyne score and get three assists in, um, in 20 minutes? Yeah, yeah like I think 71 seconds, wasn't it? I think they scored their opening goal. He's quite good. Yeah, no, he's decent, isn't he? He's quite good at football. Um, this is one of the reasons I really dislike the Premier League, though, is because you have the international break, you... You come off the back of the West Ham game and you think, ugh. Then you have the international break, so you don't have any sort of chance to... Bounce back. Bounce back. Then you have Man City at home, so you're like, ugh. <laughs> and then you're away again, so you, you, with the away ticket thing, you don't necessarily get to go and see it. So you're like, ugh. And it's like a month between but games that I don't think that's anything. the international just... break, um, like, like in the Premier League. I, I think you know, we said, in the pre- a lot of the previews we did, we pointed out that, you know... We're okay. We're coming down to the championship again um, because we're already early on in the season, as you've just perfectly articulated. For a change, you know, we are. You get mis- you get three or four miserable things in a row that aren't always necessarily results driven, um, and and the championship, like like you say, you play four games in eight nine days so regularly that that you're up and down and and you feel like you live the life of a football fan far more in the championship where the games come thick and fast. And every game could be anything. Yeah. Whereas Saturday, because you can lose to you can lose to QPR who haven't won in fifteen, but you could also beat Leeds who are unbeaten in ten, and that could be the same team in the in the space of a week. Yeah, absolutely. So moving back to um, what what we're going to go forward with with this with this young team, uh, these young lads that are in um, the England setup, uh, we've the more they're involved in that international setup, the more we're going to get glances um, from from other clubs. It's still early. But if we are where we are come January, um, do you think we might have to think about trying to sell some of them before the prices will come down a little bit in, in the summer if we have been relegated? I think the club aren't, aren't under any pressure. They've been really clear that they're under no pressure to sell anyone. But it's different. I mean, Rio Ferdinand is actively pimping Ben Godfrey at any opportunity. Um, and if, if he keeps talking him up and then, I don't know, for argument's sake, £40 million comes in for Ben Godfrey. Can we realistically look at that and not think about it seriously? He's the one that you look at it now and you think, yeah, Especially that captain's armband. I mean, the fact that he did... I I, I like the fact that he didn't have it at the start of the weekend and then clearly they've looked at him three or four days in camp and gone... Yep, <laughs> you are but he didn't even start, start for the first game, oh, no, did he? Yeah. Exactly, but then that gone, might have been you know, why he didn't start. I mean, there is an element of that that you know maybe Norwich has said only play one game. We've only got yeah. one centre back. You don't know, so yeah, there's lots of factors point. in play for stuff like that. Do you really think we've got enough clout already in the Premier League to say please don't start our? Only good defender. Oh, I think maintain a nice relationship with AD Booth. Why not? Yeah. He's got three of the players. He came, he came to the game where we uh, sat with Dilio and Michael. Yeah. I charmed him up the stairs, and then as we went out into the. <laughs> that sounds I... like a euphemism. Let's leave that there. I charmed him up the stairs, <laughs> and that's why Ben Godfrey played once. You're welcome, Norwich. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. So, listener questions. We've got the first one from Facebook, and it's Shane Watts Jones who says to Michael specifically, I think here, "What was your best Norwich City moment that you've graced, and your best moment working at Archant Towers?" Shane, was it? Shane, yeah. Hey, Shane. Um, best Norwich moment ever, and then best moment at Archant Towers. Okay. Not like I've given any 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 thought at all. Uh, best Norwich moment ever. Well, 
it's hard to think of them being separate, really, because, you know, doing a knee slide in my living room when Norwich won and Bayern, because I was watching the highlights on the telly, you know, it's a nice moment for myself and my dad. But um, so I think as a, as, a, as a moment, it has to be Wembley. I think it just has to be from from working, watching the club do something I never thought that was going to be in them, which was to win a game really easily in that situation. Playing that, I mean, that second goal was was phenomenal. And then to speak to everyone afterwards, that's like kid in the candy shop stuff, really. So that was that was brilliant. Um, but you know, last la- last season's quite a complex one for me for various reasons. So I. I think as there was something quite special being, I don't know if I, it's hard how I can't consider myself a fan at the, at the moment of the club. It's quite a complex relationship I have with it. So as a journalist, is it particularly, do you have that sort of bittersweet thing like with the Simeon Jackson goal against Derby where you've basically got a match report written and then he scores, which means A, you're delighted because you're a Norwich fan, but B, you're pretty pissed off that you then have to go and rewrite Norwich for away chance to go in the top two. Yeah, a bit. I mean, I've been quite lucky because I haven't had to change a match report on the whistle for years. Paddy always had that job and I've just <laughs> gone and do a video later. <laughs> so I kind of got away with that one and I still don't have to do it now, thankfully. But um, the, the Simeon Jackson goal against Derby is an interesting one because I I was, uh, I was had to go and cover lower stuff that day. So I was covering lower stuff while that game happened, which is even now is a bit like, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm desperately hoping, you know, Norwich beat uh, Ipswich, obviously in the playoff semi-finals. Like, well, that's got to be better than the Derby game. And it's like, well, no, not really. And then the Millwall game happened. It's like, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, but is that better than the Derby goal? I'm not sure. Some people say so, some people don't. Mm. So, you know, there may never be another goal that I witnessed that, that was better than the one I missed. The, in the, the roar of the Vrancic Sheffield Wednesday equaliser was as loud as the... Uh, as the Derby goal, I think okay. that 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 last minute equaliser, because it because of the 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 group intake of breath, because we knew it's either going to happen or it isn't. It's going to happen or it isn't. Going to happen or it isn't. And it was complete silence beforehand, or you know, relative silence beforehand. That's what then gave that the impact of oh, my eardrums are splitting. The place has gone bananas. See, so, I didn't feel that that goal went as bananas as say the Simon Jackson one or even I mean, be, I mean volume wise well it seemed yeah, really loud sure. I just felt like that the Zimmerman header in the Preston game beforehand yeah. Yeah. was much I felt in the two the quick goals Barley, from both the centre back much Reading. louder Reading Reading and roll um, back a season. Tim Close's header against Ipswich. Yeah. That was chaos. You could hear one. laughter. That was chaos. I was you laughing. Could hear you could hear, that, that was more, I was talking about this with my brother just, just last week. I was downstairs with my brother and we and he, he had my dad's ticket for that game. And we were talking about um very, almost exactly this subject really, just going back through um, you know, favourite Norwich times on the terraces and just thinking about how we were we were half laughing and it, and sometimes relief and celebration is as jubilant or more jubilant than a third fourth goal celebration because it's it's such a re- release of, of of kind of pressure and, and stress and that's what it felt at Villa on the last day last season was was that you that we were so close to the line for so long like are we going to win the league are we going to win the league and we've done the promotion bit but are we going to win the league? and then that's that, you know, that branches goal, that winning goal. And you just thought, and that, we, we really are. Like, we are. We actually, we're going to do it. And that's, that really feels so good. That's why late goals are just so magic. Yeah, there's no comeback from them. There's no, like, oh, what if they come back? 
I felt the Varanchi at Sheffield Wednesday free kick wasn't that loud or uh, crazy because it almost felt like everyone was too tired by that point. Like, they were just exhausted by the game and the run-in and stuff. So, for me, the Varanchic one <clears throat> isn't a goal that I'll remember as fondly as the Millwall one, the Forest one. Like, See, the Millwall those goals one for were me, much more important. It, was, it just felt like the... <laughs> It felt like it was going to come far more than the Brantich one because because the game would it was like right we're entering a, a crazy ten minutes now which is going to be goals and because we'd already had like three or four goals in the last five six minutes it kind of already felt like well anything's already happened so anything could happen again whereas the Brantich one we'd been banging away for like half an hour so manfully anyway uh, and you're forgetting Nottingham Forest as well. I'm not forgetting it. I just that that was crazy. Yeah. It was absolute delirium because it was just again. How has this happened? Yeah, yeah. you almost disbelief. You're looking at people. How has this possibly happened again? I think the Reading one would be the one that everyone would be talking about had they not equalised right yeah. at the end because that that turnaround from Godfrey and then Zimmerman straight after and then that, there was that glorious five minutes of just that was the loudest and the sort of most jumping I've known the Barkley for that five minutes and then Reading scored and punched it. Yeah. Can I just say from my being actually in the stadium as a fan um i would probably in say i enjoyed most the two uh playoff semi-finals against wolves in 2002 oh, okay. mm, nice. um, they resonated with me most uh, i didn't go to the away leg of that i only was, i was only at the home game the away game was so nervy i don't know how you felt it was yeah just you couldn't really enjoy it until it was over like it was just you felt sick the whole way through until they'd let them down again yeah. <laughs> joyful I think they were the two. I was going to think of another one, but I can't think of what it was. Cardiff, obviously. That was a good question, Shane. was. Thank you, Shane. You've got another one. Got plenty more. Go on, old partner. Next from Twitter, from our friend Daniel Kelly. This is kind of for all of us, but with a Michael Bailey flavour. <laughs> Which current Norwich what, player... If Michael Bailey was oh. a flavour... Oh, that's a better question. What flavour would it be, Lorne? Uh, I think it'd be quite a safe flavour that a lot of people Thanks. like, but no one loves. Well, like a mint chop chip. <laughs> Character assassination. <laughs> you know? I would well, no, he's not controversial. He's not Marmite, is he, Michael Bailey? I would say like a lemon fan. drizzle. I would say that... I'm like a lemon drizzle. I think that is... I mean, that's Ruben, my, my eldest son's favourite cake. Um, I, I would say it's an essential flavour that every, that is in everyone's... I agree that it's like... You're in everyone's to, you're to everyone's taste, but it's like essential. Like you can't you can't have coverage of you know of Norwich City without Michael Bailey. So therefore, it, I don't know what what is it's it's essential like a, part like of everyone's diet. Oh no, exactly not. No, it's too out there. Yeah. I'm, like I as soon as you said grapefruit, I like grapefruit. I hate grapefruit. <laughs> uh, a, a, a particular <laughs> pun that did come to mind with grapefruit, but um, uh, Norwich City one. But no, I think the I think it needs to be like vanilla. Sounds like a. Uh, an insult, but I mean, you, like like Lorne yeah, says, no one dislikes Miller. You can't have like it's actually incorrect. Yeah, but by the way, no one wants <laughs> well, to be no. vanilla either. No, it is actively lemon that's drizzle. an insult. Lemon drizzle. What was the question again? What yeah, flavors so Michael? Let's go to Daniel's question. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to have to be good, Daniel. After what that, what flavor do you think you are? <laughs> yeah, what flavor? I'm not. What am I going to say? Really sorry, Daniel. Go on, Daniel. Pipe up, Daniel. Come on. We're waiting. Come on, Danny boy. Which current Norwich player do you think would best suit a vintage Bailey beard and why? And you can't pick Pookie. <laughs> oh. Well, Russell Martin. Current. Yeah. Current. Okay. Not Russell Martin. They're all quite young. I think some of them would really struggle to grow one. I Having can't imagine Mo Leitner with any kind of sort of 
I'd like full, to. Though. Full beard. That would, he'd look really odd, I think. Grant Hanley would be fucking terrifying with a massive yeah, beard. Especially like true. a slightly unkempt. If he had an unkempt pookie, you know, really needs to get to the barber's one, I mean, that would be frightening. His would have the best potential, I think. Yeah. Teddy, it would really frame his smile. Mm. Well, Mario, I think Michael is probably aesthetically most similar to Mario Vrancic in the squad. You should take that as a compliment. He's a very good-looking man. He is, he is a very good-looking man. Completely unreasonable. <laughs> okay, so what flavours Mario Vrancic? <laughs> we've gone... We've gone. Vrancic, he's rum and raisin. <laughs> rum and raisin. <laughs> I don't think he's as old school as Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is like what you'd like in the 70s. Yeah. I feel like he's much more of a modern footballer. Roman, Roman Reigns is such a job. He, yes, Mario, yeah, they're hipster. He's hipster. Well, maybe even more. Like, he's like rhubarb Burn and custard, caramel. but like he's come back around again, rhubarb Like a deconstructed rhubarb Yeah, he's, he's like um, burnt, onion, uh, burnt onion soil <laughs> on the side of a Michelin star plate. <laughs> Oh, is he going to be PFA Player of the Year or something? Was that is this Mario? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, not, it's not controversial. How's that, that's happening. Champions League. Um... Mario Vrajic, PFA Player of the Year. <laughs> yeah, how's, 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 <laughs> Remember you... when he said mine's still possible? Yeah, his is still. possible. <laughs> 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 I would say, I would say currently, yours is slightly more possible. Well, I'm just glad I didn't. Let's say put it to the only impartial person here, yeah. which is a more outrageous prediction in your view, Michael. I Mario said nominated. being nominated, nominated for PFA Player of the Year or Watford reaching the Champions League this season final. Uh, <laughs> no, he didn't say um, <laughs> He said they will finish in the top. He thinks they'll finish in the I top mean, four. He thinks Mario Vrancic will be nominated for PFA Player of the Year. I, ju- I just don't see the point of the quiz. I've <laughs> 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 just made, just made up two so things so and saying which is more likely. <laughs> I mean, what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah. Pick the most likely one. Uh, <laughs> zilch and zilch. Point one. <laughs> Cheers, Next Daniel. Question. Next one. Do another quiz, Jim? Yeah, go on. Let's go to Instagram. All oh, right, yeah. All the, all the platforms. We get questions. Oh, by the way, by the yeah. way, um, yeah. we never say, well, very rarely do we say, give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a rating, and all that nonsense. Well, no, because we're not the didn't Reeves. feel like we needed to. But it would be nice if, they do. If, if you did. Because, On the YouTube. Because then we'd read them in that. Um, but we'd only read out the nice ones. So, um, yeah, you need to make sure that you say something relatively pleasant to us. Um, so that would be nice. Thanks, mate. Carry on. I forget what question I was going to ask. Instagram, we're going to ask about what's your favourite filter? No. This is from Matt Rushbrook, who asks, this is again for Michael, if you could pick only one game in your time as a journalist watching City where you could have put yourself back in the lower Barkley as a fan, which one would it be? Hey, Matt. It would probably be the Derby game, because I didn't even get to see it. So that would be the one. If I'd have been at that one, that would have been nice. What about the other way around? I I think Lowestoft won. Okay. Can you remember who they were playing? No. <laughs> what about the other way around? If you two could have been a journalist uh, for a game covering one, what game would you? What a Norwich game? Yeah, come out of the stadium because you then miss. This question means that you have to miss the experience of living the game. So, do you pick a really dull game because yeah. then you haven't missed anything, or Definitely. do you pick something? I was uh, working as a journalist covering Leeds United Millwall nil nil when Middlesbrough drew four four with Norwich at Carrow Road, and I missed that, and that was the game where uh, I decided I couldn't work as a football or sports journalist on a Saturday because I might miss games so I made that decision at like 21 Michael Bailey took a bit longer after missing Derby until he realised well, that I didn't quit <laughs> that's not still, what I've done he is still a sports journalist <laughs> uh, no but my point is he, he, he managed to make sure that he, he wasn't missing Norwich games anymore but yeah I, I, no, I, I, missed, I missed that I heard that comeback because I think it was actually a lunchtime kickoff so I was doing post-match highlight editing Middlesbrough um, it was an evening game wasn't it 
Oh, okay. But the point was, I, I was I was doing the wrapping up post match yeah. stuff, and then I heard the commentary of of you know that going out. Although I think I heard like five live rather than um, Roy Waller. I tell you what, actually, I've changed my mind. I would pick Fulham six, Norwich nil. Wow. To be a journalist rather than a fan, that was the most depressing game. We had stand up rows with about. 15 people who felt that Darren Huckabee should be working harder and it was like well have you been watching him all season he doesn't track back you know he relies on Adam Drury it was just grim and actually you wouldn't have had to walk out into the pub full of Norwich fans who were just it was just the worst it would have been very difficult I think if you were a journalist for that game to sum up Damien Francis's performance in words that could then be printed yeah that's fair (laughs) that's fair He's the only person, and this makes me sound like a terrible person, but he's the only person I've ever read, I've ever read, has got a cruciate ligament injury that has ended his career and thought, good. Wow. Because that was diabolical that day. It wasn't just not being very good. He literally just turned one in, didn't bother at all, and I thought, you good. Which was bizarre, because he was one of our better players that Premier League season. He was excellent season. that season, and I really liked him, and that what that's what hurt most of all. Oh, it's the you. only game I've ever left early. I game. left. I was the, in the home end as well. So I left five nil early from Craven Cottage, which was when we went back there with Hutton, and and we oh, were yeah. back, we were back at Liverpool Street. Me and my mate Lee were back at Liverpool Street by the time the fifth goal went in, because it, at three nil it was just well we'll go home then shall we? Because we've been here before, we've seen goals going in before. <laughs> it was just it was just, it was a performance that after twenty minutes you thought, oh, we really. Really haven't turned up. Oh, we'll see what happens after half time. No, we really haven't turned up. <laughs> Let's just go home. Hang on, that was the so first game of the season as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But it was, fuck it. But it was, <laughs> so, <laughs> screw this. I'm so excited I'm getting home. No, but the thing is, it was so bad. You were, you wanted to you wanted to leave Birmingham. You, we would have left Birmingham and I said no we wait on the steps and then we saw the second I know how no, and I, I said we're going to win the league and I was right I've never left a game early so I wouldn't have wanted to leave early but you were right you Kenny? did say we're going to win the league when O'Neill equalised okay. I'll give you that thank you laughing well there was yeah, I don't fully was, believe that he's he serious but I don't fully believe he's serious with most of the stuff he says so <laughs> exactly. there wasn't any Four more years. outrageous than any other Tom opinion give us another question right one more Phil Wall on Facebook, although this question mildly annoys me. I'm really sorry, Phil. <laughs> Do you think, like many others, that the lack of investment, especially at centre half, will ultimately cost us our place in the Premiership season? And this uh, this annoys me annoyed. on two fronts. One, that there's many others, and I don't see many others, and it's the Premier League. So I'm really sorry, Phil. But also, you have four centre halves. You can. We only play two at a time. Or that's five, if you want, Amadou. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. But that's the right amount of cover. Like you can't yeah. let. You can't just keep buying centre halves in case seven get injured. Also, lack of investment. Um, you know, Ben Godfrey got a new deal, which would have probably put a few bob. You know, and so again, when you think about how many we've signed, all of those got increases in wages. All of those would have got signing bonuses, and and we basically we've bought in maybe. Uh, I saw someone saying if you were to. If we were to have sold them all, um, even to a championship club, you might have ended up with about forty, fifty million pounds worth of signings to sign those eight, nine lads. So, so it wasn't that we didn't invest in a squad, and uh, we have been really unfortunate with injury. And you just hope that that is the that's kind of this is our worst spell. It's going to be injury wise, and the injuries will at the very least just be spread out positionally more rather yeah. than being so hyper focused on defence at the moment. And that's the thing. We didn't need to invest at centre half. We probably needed to invest at the top end of the pitch. We tried to invest at the end of the window at the top end of the pitch with this I forget his name he's got two four names Claude Maurice Claude Maurice Maurice. 
who we were seriously in for, you know, and it sounded like, all right, we didn't get that close, but kind of nearly there. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it's through a lack of trying, or it's just that we're, we're not going to spunk a load of money on absolutely, journeyman Premier League footballers. Absolutely nobody in July was saying we need a centre-half. No. Nobody was. It's, it's just unfortunate. Captain Hindsight would go back and maybe get one on loan, but no, you can't have seven centre-halves. Michael, before we forget, you need yeah. to pick your favourite question so they can win some exclusive Along Come Norwich merchandise. Excellent. I think it was the Shane one. The first questions. one was, was really good, got us talking. I mean, my question about the flavour was my favourite, but I've got all the badges, and so is Ruben. So, let's, <laughs> so why don't we, um, and Zachary, we just eat them. So I reckon we go Shane, but it's up to you. You can choose. If you can remember any of the other names, then you say one now. Which one, which one was Shane's? Shane's Shane was, the very first one. What was your best Norwich City moment that you've graced and your best moment working at Archon Towers? Yeah, shame for me. Yeah. Give it a shame. So, okay. on, shame. Shane, get in touch. Slide into our DMs, but uh, leave us a review while you're there. Um, now, you've obviously gone off to Athletic. We did actually get some people asking in the questions, what is that all about? Um, from a uh, kind of commercial point of view, it is a bit different. Uh, Mick Dennis and others have been kind of piping up about the fact they didn't think it would work. So uh, I jumped on and subscribed as soon as I saw that uh, I had to pay to read your, your, your work. And, and I must say, from a personal point of view, it is superb. It helps that it's really, really strong for from NFL. So I get all my NFL stuff, my Premier League stuff, my Norwich stuff all on there. Um, how how different is it for you, like day to day, other than kind of the last minute trips to Finland you do, um, which didn't used to happen <laughs> as regularly? Was last minute. Um, so yeah, to tell us about it. How, uh, how how much different is is life now at the Athletic rather than up the road Arch and Towers? Um... Well, there's kind of the logistical changes. So I'm working from home. I haven't moved anywhere. I'm still in Norwich. I'm, I'm embedded more in my house than I've ever been, <laughs> which brings its own challenges when you've got a three and a one-year-old running around and my poor wife isn't getting much help at the moment. Um, so, and, I, you know, I'm a one-man band rather than working with three or four people. So that dynamic's very different. I was kind of quite lucky at Archant in that I kind of got to a point where I was given a bit of freedom to do what I wanted to do and to create various features um so in some ways it's not too dissimilar obviously now i have i have the freedom i have a a desk that we're always bouncing ideas off lots of phenomenally talented colleagues from in terms of national media so just going back to that last point on the desk so you 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 mean is that like a premier league kind of staffers like group or like who who is it that you all bounce those ideas off and run and are you all pulling together the various different because there's like there's like staffer writers isn't there and then who are some of the guys that have come across from the broadsheets and then there's there's guys who are kind of team specific or area specific yeah so they're yeah there are people just covering football in general they say every premier league club and and sort of some of the top end championship clubs are all covered by one person i'm their norwich guy but we're all in com contact with each other um discussing ideas and then there are there are people at the office in London who we're in contact with every day who we're talking about ideas, they're pinging us ideas back and we're trying to work out what to do. So I suppose in that regard, it's it's much more focused in terms of specific ideas we want to follow up and really go for and do a job on that takes a little bit of time. I don't probably have to turn around as many things over the course of the week, but I wouldn't say I'm working any less because I'm spending a lot of time on each of those things. and. I think there's clearly more room to to write longer, more in-depth 
pieces. And I appreciate what that's like for, for people. It, it can take time to read through them. And I struggle to read through all my colleagues' pieces because it takes a long time. But when you do, when you get into, you know, you, you, you find a bit of time to do it, the, the, the quality of what the guys are writing is, is phenomenal. So that, that's probably a, a slight change. Uh, the one thing I would say is I've, it, since I've joined The Athletic, I've not written, written anything that wasn't original in terms of my own quotes or my own thoughts or my own statistical research or my own views. Everything is 100% from, from me, and that's kind of one of the crucial selling points, I suppose, when you're asking for people to subscribe so they have access to not just my content but everything on the site, then you know you've got you've got to raise the bar to make to make it to make it worth that. But by the same token, I do kind of recoil at people who say, oh, "I, I don't believe in paying for this," or don't because, well, you you probably would have bought a newspaper back in the mm. day. So what you're saying is you don't want to buy stuff that's on the internet. Well, you have to appreciate what's coming with that. You have to appreciate the 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 advertising and the people people things people will throw at you so that you you know do get that for free if you don't see the value in the athletic pull up one athletic story in one browser window and then pull up one pinkin story in another window and see how far you have to scroll through adverts and just yeah. shit I mean, until you get to all the it's not. I don't want to compare too much with the pinkin because uh, obviously I know the guys really well and they, the, those titles mean a lot to me but it is any local title it's mm. most of the national title I was trying to go on the independent the other day and I was like well I can't get to the words and that's just generally frustrating mm. so uh, we, obviously, the athletic is doing something that's clear and clean, in depth, and so you can properly take your time in it. But also, it, it feels like internet fresh air. That's kind of how I felt it. It's the fresh air to kind of just read what's been written, and then if anything's attached to it, it, it's sort of bringing an extra value to it. So, but I mean, at the moment, we're talking about three pounds a month to access all that, and I don't really understand people's argument of. I haven't managed to get close to to reading. All the things that I would like to read, and the the way that you get the way you, that you set it up to, you can follow particular teams, you can follow particular sports, you can follow, um, you know, threads that are of interest to you, and then that kind of customizes the feed of what you get, um, which is you know similar to having similar different like local paper news feeds, I guess, um, and and I, there was there's so many um, deep dives until we sell 250 tickets on Saturday. I can keep saying it. There's there's so many things that you go into loads of depth that you you don't have time to read. Um, but the point is, everything that you do read is completely succinct, completely to the point. And you've hit the nail on the head. Um, and I'm again, I'm not not just blowing smoke up your ass because you're here. So not even including the, the stuff that you've done with Finland and Pookie's hometown and all of that stuff. Again, looking across at, at NFL, looking at the other Premier League writers that, that they're talking about tactics and stuff that you're um, that you haven't read elsewhere. There was and, an incredible piece the other day actually that was um, Matt Jans Matt Jansen, the yes. former Blackburn Crystal Palace player, who was really really promising, had an excellent career, and then all of a sudden just went off the boil, and it had never. Or at least as far as I was aware, it never sort of come out as to why he'd gone off the boil or what sort of happened, and then he just became sort of a forgotten Premier League player of the early 2000s. There was a guy who was... There was a, it was a really interesting interview with a former Watford youth player who's now an actor. Um, I can't remember the guy's guy's name now. I didn't. I, he, he played around the time of uh, Sean Dyche, um, and I recognised... And he played under Boothroyd, and I recognised all of the players that he was playing alongside and all the coaches and stuff, but didn't actually recognise him at all. And now he's... You know, talking about the kind of the psychological conditioning of of that, and obviously he's quite well. He, he's clearly quite a sensitive, introspective guy and very emotionally sensitive guy. So maybe it got to him more than others. But how that kind of locker room uh, dynamic drove him even further into himself, and there's just sorts sorts of things that 
the guys who have got um, who are living more hand to mouth and have to pump things out and have to get the numbers out etc they just don't have the time to maybe go into some of the more nuanced stuff and, and that is why it is is what that's why it's really worth the, the time and the money and, and how everything much you more see on Twitter, value you've seen get, elsewhere already how much more value you get so with the Matt Janssen one they took him back to Rome because in 2002 he uh, had a motorbike accident or a moped crash where he was knocked off and suffered a fairly severe brain injury as a result and then it, he was talking about how when he came back he just never felt like he had the confidence to be the player that he was before and he was thinking too much in terms of when he was on the pitch he was thinking about controlling the ball then thinking what to do next whereas before he'd been really instinctive and I just think if if a Blackburn local paper rang up Matt Janssen and asked that story you'd, you'd get a story but you got so much more out of the fact that with the Athletic he went back to Rome and he stood in the place where he had this accident and you hear in or you read you can hear his excitement and his uh, his sort of how he felt and how enthusiastic he was about his career when he was last there before it happened and then you can hear him sort of coming to the realisation of what happened to him and how it wasn't really he would never have chosen to have his career ruined like that but actually long term has probably made him a better person it's stuff. much less who scored and what was the score and in what order yeah. and it's much more um, why, does that do, why do we think that person scored as opposed to the fact that they haven't scored for such a long time and that that is those kind of narratives behind it that I think gets more around why we enjoy sport rather than obviously just those immediate thrills and oh it was a penalty oh who got the assist I need to know for my fantasy team it's much more human yeah I think That brings us along to the Along Come Norwich quiz. It is, of course, one minute to answer as many questions up to six as you can. Michael Bailey, how did you do last time you were on the Along Come Norwich podcast? I don't think I did very well. Should we look um, out? I I have a feeling it might have been around the sort of two mark. I think two sounds right. Yeah. So... um, Two's not bad. Two's, I think that was what you said at the time. Two's a pass score. Because now we... I think I've had a kid since, another kid since then, so right, I've lost, lost a few more brain cells. cells. Yeah. <laughs> we have uh, got two. a bit of an international flavour, um, oh. because it's been international week. So we're all um, fucked. Some squad, <laughs> squad number questions, which everyone always likes, play along at home. Um, but there's a, there's a hefty Norwich City influence, uh, because I actually had the time uh, this week to, to tr- probably do it nicely. So... Michael, okay. your time. Don't forget to use pass if you get stuck. Yeah. Starts. Now, name an Australian who has won a Champions League winner's medal. Pass. Who is the last player to wear number one in the Premier League for Leicester before Schmeichel? Ian Walker. Correct. Who wore number 24 in the 4-0 win against West Brom at the end of the first Hewton season? Johnny Housen. Incorrect. Who started in goal when Norwich lost 5-0 at Anfield in 2013? Mark Byrne. Correct. Name one of the five championship clubs yet to play in the Premier League. Rotherham. Incorrect. No. Which two teams competed in the first all-English major European Cup final? Uh, Liverpool. Uh, no. Uh, name an Australian <laughs> who has won a Champions League winner's medal. Uh, um, Harry Kuehl. Correct. Uh, who wore number 24 in the Ryan Bennett. Correct. Um, and name one of the championship clubs yet to play in the Premier League. Current championship. Wigan. No, no, obviously no, not which Wigan. Two teams competed in the first All English Major European Cup final. 
English teams. Just name one of the two English teams. It was an all English cup final, but your time uh, is all right now. It wasn't Manchester City. No, it wasn't. It was, of course, you boys know, don't you? No. Let's all say it together. Tottenham and Wolves. Okay, just meeting you. <laughs> 1972. Wolves. You could have got any other Sorry, sorry. They were really There's hard. a whole round of six, Michael. That what was, was the other one? Well, well, no, They're championship uh, teams. Yeah. Oh, I'd have got Luton. that next time. Uh, Luton, yes. How uh, many were there? Five. Okay. Uh, Luton are one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we talked about a goal against um, Preston. A few times. Yeah, Preston, Preston, yeah. We talked about a favours goal from last season, the late minute last um, minute Millwall. Yeah, Millwall, mm-hmm. yeah. Couple of buzz. Barnsley, are they back? No, they played Premier League. John Redfern. Oh, of course they did, yeah. Brazil. Brentford and Bristol City. Nice little question, though. If you do say so yourself. uh, Yeah, so (laughs) four out of six, very, very, very good. Good um, goalkeeper knowledge as well with Ian Walker and so John Ian Walker. Is I'd have four gone to tie. Arthur said. Four to tie. Yours are probably a bit harder than mine. Mate, they were really hard. <laughs> I'd have got none of them. Right. <laughs> Bodes well. Your time starts. Oh, here we go. Now, who is the only non-British player to make the t- top 20 goal scorers list in the first Premier League? 1993. The only non-British player to be in the top 20 goal scorers. Uh, who was the last Tottenham player to wear the number 10 shirt before Harry Kane? Pass. Name a Dutchman with a Premier League goal or assist so far this season. Wijnaldum? Uh, no. Uh, who Check that. Who wore the number 18 <laughs> shirt when Norwich beat Manchester United thanks to an Anthony Pilkington header? Number 18, 18 shirt in that game. Garrido? Yes. yes. Who started up front alongside Grant Holt in the 1-1 draw at White Hart Lane in 2012? Morrison. Incorrect. Which Spanish team have been in the UEFA Europa Cup final five times out of the last 14? Um, Atletico. Incorrect. Uh, uh, goal scorer of the first 92-93 season, oh, not nice. English. Uh, who was the last Tottenham player to wear number 10 before Harry Kane? Pass. Uh, Dutchman with a Premier League goal or assist this Pass. season? Um, started up front alongside Grant Holt in 1-1 draw at White Hart Lane. Jackson. Correct. So I just wanted to get to that one. Okay. I knew <laughs> it. Two, two out of six. Go for him again. So, 92-93... Now, I, that's your stomping ground. It is ground. my era. I should have done better. Hang on, was it a Welshman? It wasn't a Welshman. It was a Frenchman. Uh, well, Welsh is British. Um, you said English. I said not English. I said not British first time, and I said not English second time. Brilliant. Yeah, but then it was accurate in both places. So I gave you two clues. One's not British, and one's not English. Can you can't, can't change the, the, right. can't change the question. You're not Carl Pilkington. <laughs> Fuck no, about. He's pretty close. <laughs> yeah. Who was the last Tottenham player to wear the number 10 shirt before Harry Kane? Teddy Sheringham? No. More recent. Red not that long Robbie at all. Keane, 2011 to 2015. Very recent. What's he said? Not Robbie Keane. No. Uh, Adam Oil? Yes. Uh, you could have had Eric Peters, Anwar El Ghazi, Virgil van Dijk, which is the one I thought yeah. you'd guess, Van Arnholt, yeah, um, and Davy Proper have all had assists or goals this season. I reckon one Um well. Garrido, very good, 18. Simeon Jackson, very good. And Sevilla. Sevilla, yeah. uh, Five times mm. out of the last 14 years have been in the UEFA Cup final, or UEFA Cup final. Um, Lorne, you've got two to draw with punt. You've got five to win, four to draw with Bailey. There's all sorts of options, really. Well, six. <laughs> Seven, if you include zero. Yours are slightly harder. <laughs> what? Than his. You change these questions halfway through. Are they be harder? I'm going to change them twice. You can actually ask me them. Right, yeah. <laughs> Question one, what's the answer? <laughs> Your time. What do you feel the answer is? What flavour is... No. Your time starts now. Name a Swedish player to win a UEFA, Europa or Champions League winner's medal. Ibrahimovic. Incorrect. 
Who wore the number 23 shirt in the 5-0 loss at Craven Cottage, Hutton's first game? Number 23. Uh, Martin Olsen. Incorrect. Uh, Norwich beat Man City thanks to a Johnny House and goal the last day of the season in 2013. Name one of the other scorers that day for Norwich. Uh, Holt. Yes. Uh, which Bulgarian has the most Premier League appearances? That's a great question. Thank Pass. you. Um, which former Norwich goalie won 20 caps with England whilst playing at Rangers? Chris Wood. Correct. Uh, plural. Yes. Which was the last UEFA Europa League final hosted in Britain? Where was it? Sorry. What city? <laughs> <laughs> so, they are name, what hard. city was it? Name a was city it where in, Ma where Manchester. Where? Correct. Um, <laughs> the name Swedish player to win UEFA Europa Champions League medal. Uh, Eric Edmund. Uh, no. Uh, name, a, <laughs> name the number 23 shirt wearer in Hughes' first game. Sorry. Uh, Snodgrass. No. Yeah, we'll call that. <laughs> yeah. So you could have had. Connie Torstenson by New York. <laughs> of course. 1974, 75, and 76. Wow, he was good. Wow. Kurt Hamrin, Ove Kindvall, Bjorn Anderson, and then more Kim recently. Uh, no, Jesper mm, Blomqvist, Patrick Anderson, or Henrik Larsson. I thought Henrik Larsson was the obvious yeah. guess. Um, I bet you did. Who was number 23 shirt in the 5 0 loss at Craven Cottage? You know this, Bailey. I, no, I was. Number 23, defender, ball, mental, did cut cartwheels in the rain. Martini. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I should get half a point for getting a left back. No. Um, you, you're on three, so you've already come second. Um, Bulgarian with the most Premier League appearances. Petrov. No, easier. He's second. <laughs> no. Completely outrageous. <laughs> it wasn't outrageous. No, no, it's a great answer. <laughs> I can't think of any other Bulgarians. Dimitar Berbatov. Yep. Um, Chris Wood, or Z Woods, um, was, was right. That was excellent. You got that very quickly. Thanks. And you got Manchester in 2008. Um, so that means that Bailey with a stonking four, um, or was it five? Four. Four. four, romped home, but we will have a tiebreaker anyway. How many first and second tier league titles have Manchester City won, according to Wikipedia? You, as the winner, can go first. I need an exact answer. None is higher and lower bullshit. So first, first or second. Premier League, and then second flight or second tier or Division One, Inslee Division One, etc. Seven. Five. Twelve. It's thirteen. They've got six first top flight wow. ones. So okay. yeah, thirteen is the answer. So twelve is very close pump, but Bailey, you are the quiz winner with your fantastic four out of six. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks uh, for having me. Uh, I'm not very confident about Saturday evening's performance, but I am very confident about Saturday afternoon being a right royal knees up. It's going to be great. Please go and get your tickets. £5 at longcomenorwich.com. And all the money goes in the flags as well. All the money goes mm. into us making loads of noise and colour around atmosphere uh, and in the bar at the end. Um, so all it now remains for me to say is that Lorne and Punt, I'll be seeing you. And thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. questions punt are we there already yeah quick fucking hell you haven't prepared much this week but right okay <laughs> <laughs> to be fair he did an agenda none of us read it yeah that's fair <laughs>